Well, welcome back to the Man Challenge Podcast. This is Bill Search. I get to be your host and guide along in this journey, and I am joined today by my friend Michael Foster. Hello, good to be here. It's always good to sit down with you, Michael, and involve your expertise and wisdom in this. You're too kind, Bill. I know I am. I have that problem. (laughs) Many people say I'm too kind. Hey, today I want to talk about this concept in the challenge of being a man, and that is a comparison between the first Adam and the second Adam. The first Adam is the literal first Adam that we meet in the beginning of Genesis. The second Adam is the the biblical theological term for Christ. In other words, Jesus Christ is often by Paul called the second Adam. And so, you know, the first Adam, he sought his reward now. Like, he wanted to name it and claim it now. He knew what he wanted, and that was he wanted to be like God. And so that's the whole fruit bit and the bad stuff that came from that. But he was impatient, and he grabbed hold of it. But the second Adam, what we see in Christ, is that he didn't seek a great reward now, but he expected a greater reward, that there was this expectation of something coming down the path, where Adam was like, I got to have it. Today, Christ understood that there's patience involved, that there is greater reward coming. And what I'd like to do uh, today, Michael, is I want to read a handful of passages and just have a discussion, just natural discussion over these, because these are examples of what second Adam living looks like. These are examples of what it means to expect a greater reward. And the first passage is in the 12th chapter of Hebrews. And if you're listening right now, by the way, if if you're kind of new to reading the Bible, chapter 12 in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews is found towards the end of the New Testament. This chapter is delightful. It has so much good stuff in it. Hebrews is a really compelling book in general, but chapter 12, this is, this is the kind of thing that will get you up in the morning. But chapter 12 starts with these two verses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And here's the part I I, I think we should draw attention to. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, Christ, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, um, Michael, you know, drawing from that passage of Scripture, you know, what what was it Christ was looking forward to? What was it he was expecting beyond the cross itself? I think he's expecting um, the reunification um, with God and that that communal. Um, aspect and, and environment that he had with him. And I think about as you read that, um, you look at your current um, circumstances, um, and a lot of it's just kind of that that expectation. And we get caught up a lot in expecting us to just be happy or to, um, to, to have those expectations of things that you kind of grew up with. And if you don't have it now, it's kind of a loss. And it's kind of a short-sighted, when you have that short-sighted expectation, you end up having a lot of anxiety, you have a lot of uh, disappointment and and some of those things, whereas if you're looking much, much further down the path and you see the end inside, and I like that, I like that fix your eyes on Jesus, Mm. is that um, it keeps you from... 
paying too much attention to the current circumstances, which those are important, but it helps kind of balance the current circumstances with what you're expecting. If you're expecting Christ, if you're seeing the same things that he is, the the much longer run, um, Psalm says that that our life is a vapor. It's just a mist that goes away so fast. Mm -hmm. But when you look at Jesus, when you look at God, you look at eternity. And in light of eternity... Everything we're experiencing now is is just a moment. Um, it's just a flicker. And Isn't that something, you know, we think of this as being a really, 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 really long chapter. And it is. It's a really long chapter, but it's just one chapter of our lives. And to think chapter by chapter of life, to think that long-term perspective. And you tapped into it, you know. There's this divine mystery of how Father, Son, and Holy Spirit interact. There's even uh, theologians debate and discuss what was the nature of the relationship between God the Father and God the Son when God the Son is here on earth, God incarnate in form of Christ, and uh, what uh, used term reunification, you know, the but what what there was just something that that the Son was looking forward to to be seated at the right hand of the Father, mm. and I always think these are like human expressions; they're the expressions God gives us. Uh, I mean, this is right here out of his inspired word, and how that all plays out. You know, when I was a little boy, I like pictured these big, glowing, magnificent thrones, and maybe, but I think it's probably something that'll blow our minds. I think he was just, I think God knew in our finite brains, our heads would probably explode if he used the actual language of heaven, Mm -hmm. you know, but this, that, that the son was enduring the cross, all the shame. The uh, even being forsaken by the Father on the cross, but he saw a day coming, and it was near. It was so near, and almost like I think of like when I was a little boy at Christmas time, and uh, you know the the packages would start to come out under the tree, and there was a certain side where I'd go and I'd kind of give them the shake or I'd try to like peek into the wrapping a little bit, but I really did. And as the closer I got to Christmas, I didn't do that because I didn't really want to spoil Christmas morning. I wanted Christmas morning to be special. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's a very juvenile illustration for it. But but to, we all encounter trials and difficulties now to have a long perspective that there is something greater we're looking forward to. Oh, yeah. All right, there's one more verse here that I want us to look at. There's a total of four here, but this one is out of Psalm 27, 13. This is a, a Psalm of David, chapter 27 of Psalm, or the 27th Psalm, This 13th, the 13th verse. And David writes this, he says, I remain confident of this. And what is it he remains confident of? I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, here's an interesting idea that uh, that greater that God provides, yes, for, he- for, for Christians, there's heaven to look forward to. There's the life everlasting to look forward to. But I find it interesting that, uh, and we sometimes, some people say that's a cop-out, that we, we're always looking to the afterlife. I do not think it's remotely a cop-out. I think it's motivational and helpful. But, but here's David saying, I think before I'm dead, I'm going to see some reward for my faithfulness. To God. So how have you seen that? How have you seen that play out in your life? God's faithfulness in big and little ways while you're here, right here walking on this earth. Well, and I think that that was a relatively new concept to me as an adult is, you know, as a kid, I always look for, all right, I'm going to endure this life and, and wait and everything will be fine once I get to heaven. 
And that one, and you know, we've talked about keep an eternal perspective, but the things that are going on right now are important. And we can actually see God's movement and his hand in our past. And in our and and we can assume that's actually happening in our present. Because yeah. sometimes you can't always perceive it. But I remember um, you know, some of the bigger decisions you make are career paths and choice. And in my 20s, I was really confident in the fact that God had called me to a ministry in a workplace. And I'm running down that path. I'm not looking. And all of a sudden, I got hit with an opportunity to come work for a church. It was kind of in the same realm. I was in information technology, much like Brett, um, but he's way better at it than I am. So he, um, uh, God was 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 kind of working on me there, and and it was a really, really difficult decision for me um, to, to be able to let go of something I thought he had um, set me on a path to do to go work at a church. And I just remember feeling very anxious, very unsettled, very uneasy, and having a hard time. But I could see God moving that whole time through everything, even back from when I was in seventh grade, that he set me on a path that I thought I knew the end of the destination, but yeah. he actually did. And he he what I felt like was a hard turn uh, into the church was actually, I think, his plan the whole time. Yeah. And so it's neat to see those, those kind of things, and it, it kind of goes through is that whole time, I'm trying to keep my eyes fixed on Christ and understand and lots of prayer and scripture reading um, because it took a lot, almost like it was Gideon, where I needed a fleece to set out to be like, God, is this really you? Um, do it again. Let's do it yeah. opposite. Um, but it, it felt like something that was that big. But I think God was very patient with me in this whole process, um, and he was with me in this whole process. And even though it kind of felt like a hard turn, he was guiding and directing the whole time. You know, it's such a great perspective. I, I think of like in my marriage, Karen and I have been married 24 years this summer. And uh, I think one of the rewards for fidelity in the marriage, fidelity to God, faithfulness to God, is that here we are 24 years in a marriage and there's a, a richness to our relationship. There's this incredible reward I experience when I go home each evening. And uh, last night I got home late. I was just a long day. And we talked nonstop for like two hours. And it's just this, I was thinking as we were talking, I was just thinking how wonderful this is, that that I, I share a home with my very best friend, that my wife is my best friend. And and that I feel like I feel like that is a reward from God for faithfulness. And uh, it wasn't that long ago. I, I, I had a, a very close friend who uh, I worked with, and he was a, a fellow pastor. Uh, this is not here in Oklahoma. It was in another state that I lived in. And uh, he'd been married, I think, probably 15, 20 years, maybe. And he had a big blowout. He was unfaithful to his wife. It all got it was scandalous. He had to step down from his church. Uh, he lost his marriage. And uh, and now the kids, see, they have four kids together. They bounce between homes. And uh, and I just think the, the consequence for not looking towards that greater reward. Now, I want to be clear of something, because there might be a guy listening right now who goes, well, you just described me, thanks. 
Uh, here's the beauty of God. God in his grace and in his mercy can restore. He can take ashes and he can build a new thing out of the ashes. So when we repent and when we turn to him, God can do great stuff. So I, I just want that to be 100% clear that I don't want some guy feeling defeated after I just said that. What I'm getting at is, is that if we, as a, as a motivation, uh, keep our eyes on, on even the reward that is offered in this life through faithfulness to God, I think that that can also motivate us and help us. And by the way, I'm going to do a little plug right now. Um, having said what I just said about my friend, you know, this is one of the things we have celebrate recovery on Thursdays here at Crossings. We have step studies. So a guy who finds himself in a, in a really tough spot where he goes, oh, I stepped on a landmine there. Uh, this is a place of hope and grace. And so there's, there's ministry opportunity. And like I said before, God can rebuild beautiful, beautiful things out of ashes. So, well, there's Psalm 27. That was verse 13. Let's look at Hebrews again. This is Hebrews 11. And sometimes this is called like the Hall of Fame passage or Hall of Faith passage. And uh, Hebrews 11, I said Hebrews 12 was awesome. We'll start with Hebrews 11 and it'll blow your mind. If you haven't read it, it's so good. Well, this is about Moses. And this is Hebrews 11, verses 24 through 26. And this is what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, By faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, that's interesting. I mean, you think about it. Moses is, he's in the royal household. Egypt's the superpower of its day. And, he, and so even though he's surrounded by all this wealth, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Now, think about reward here. Um, you know, how does that looking ahead? We talked about eternity, but I'm just thinking just in general, like that greater re reward, the treasures on this life. You know, Michael, when you think about the treasures of this life and the treasures of the life to come or the reward found in a life dedicated to Christ. How do they stack up in your mind? Well, they stack up way, way better. And uh, you kind of get pigeonholed sometimes when you look at success um, without a, a godly perspective is that really your only measures of success typically are you know wealth or leisure or um, your personal enjoyment. Um, and those are so fleeting, mm -hmm. and they they don't last for very long. Um, but when you think about the gifts from God, um, they're the things that are joyful. And when you look back on your life, um, when you're towards the end of it, yeah. um, you can be happy. And and what you end up looking at are the relationships that you have with people, um, the legacy that you're leaving. We talked about that in in a, a previous podcast. Um, they're intangible, mm -hmm. and those are the things that will last forever. And you know, we talked about um, you can see the the things that God's doing right now. You can enjoy um, his his kingdom um, happening, and his kingdom is being built when you're telling people about Christ, when you're living Christ's yeah. um, th his law out. And so, whenever you are finding joy in Him, then you can find joy when you've got easy, happy situations around you, but you can also find joy whenever you have difficult situations as you've got yeah. that hope. Uh, and I remember um, 
wa- uh, walking with some of the the guys that um, were at the other campus um, that came from military backgrounds, and they they this one guy used this term um, pretty often. Yeah, careful of your military terms. Some of them are <laughs> raunchy. Okay, just I'm, to be clear, I'm trying to to figure. It's, this one's not. This one's, um, but it's it's a word I don't let my kids use. But I think that our audience can be okay with it. Okay. But um, he said he, he'd always say, "Embrace the suck." Oh, whenever yeah. you're whenever you're stuck in a situation, and yeah. and that's that's the best that um, I think the the way yeah. that you can you can term it is that you just realize that it's an unfortunate situation, but we're going to power through yeah. and just get through it. Where if you have that Christ perspective, it's not just embrace it; is that God is with you through it. Yeah, and that's where you you find those joy, and you can find joy from from Christ, and not just the fact that this will eventually be over. Yeah, it's sort of like when you get caught in the middle of a rainstorm and you don't have an umbrella, you don't have a coat. You're like, well, the worst case scenario, I get soaking wet. And then I'm... Or struck by lightning. Or, well, or, <laughs> or in Oklahoma, I get taken up in a tornado, but it's been a good run. No, no, you can enjoy you know, those situations. Uh, you're right. Yeah, I, I'm struck by this memory of, uh, this is like 15 years ago. It was the first time I was in Kenya and I met a, a doctor at a hospital that was way out in the in the, in the the boonies, out in the bush. And uh, this this uh, hospital was a you know it was a mission compound type hospital. It was run by Christian missionaries and funded by by uh, good Christian people. And this guy was a thoracic surgeon and a servant out there. And he was he was very welcoming. Brought he invited us into his home for a cup of tea. And it was a it was a modest little home there on the mission compound. And later, one of my friends who's a businessman, he goes, Bill, do you have any idea how much a thoracic surgeon makes? And uh, I was like, a lot? I don't know. And it is. It's a lot. It's the kind of money that, you know, you're pretty comfortable if if you're decent at at that type of work. And here's a guy who was, you know, living very modestly. And on one level, uh, like a normal human would say, oh, my heavens, he has given up so much. But that guy was full of so much joy, I really don't think he pondered that too often. I think uh, just in the interactions, the brief interactions we had, he, like like Moses, said, yeah, I could have a big house and drive one of many exotic cars to work, but mm-hmm. that is fading. That's not permanent. And his reward that he's stacking up. I think he's not going to regret. When he enters eternity, I don't think for a second he'd be like, shoot, I never drove that exotic sports car. You know, well, it's it new, kind of ca- be- new car smell wears off, but there's something about that which is eternal that never wears off. And I think that um, as humans, we're not that creative when it comes <laughs> to choosing our own rewards. And it kind of makes me think, as you were talking about marriage, I remember um, the, the the dreams and hopes and the pinnacles I thought about marriage as a young man or a young boy are nothing compared to the joys and the... I couldn't dream about how great some of the the things that you would, you would be able to do with your wife um, that... I just couldn't dream about it. And some of them are those deep, intimate conversations yeah. that you have. And that's not what you're thinking about as a no. young man. No, as a teenage boy, and we won't go into <laughs> any details right now. But what a young man thinks of, oh, I can't wait to get married. He, a wise man, realizes that 
excitement is one part of marriage, but there is so much more richness and beauty in a good relationship. And I think that's a good picture as far as, you know, when we dream about these great rewards is that we can, we're not that creative. Like we, it it really ends up into a yacht or a sports car or whatever it is. I choose both. (laughs) I want a yacht I can keep my sports sports car car on, on. Mm -hmm. you know, with a crane. It needs a crane. Or a a helicopter. helicopter. (laughs) Or a helicopter with the appropriate rigging so that it can lift my exotic sports car off of the yacht. Uh, Yeah, which tell you know, there's a funny little story I'll just share just because it amuses me still to remember it. But when I was in junior high, I uh, got a subscription to motorboat and sailing. Now, I grew up in Lansing, Michigan. I wasn't near a whole lot of motorboats or sailboats, to be honest. I was around a bunch of speedboats because there's lakes everywhere. But uh, we didn't own, own any sort of watercraft, but somehow I convinced my parents that they should give me a subscription. So on Christmas, I got a subscription to motorboat and sailing. And then I they used to have these postcards, this is pre-internet days, where you'd send away for information. So I, they were, they, you didn't even have to put a stamp on it. So I filled out like a half a dozen of these postcards to receive brochures on these luxury yachts. And so guess what? You had to give a phone number and I gave the phone number. It didn't matter to me. And so they start calling my parents. They start calling my house. And uh, to make it seem more distinguished, I gave, I was William search on the return address (laughs) so that that sounded more um, affluent to me. And so these yacht companies start calling and one of them called my mother or called my mother answered. And she's like, you know, you know, who are you calling for? And they said, you know, William Search is such and such, you know, yacht company. And <laughs> my mother kind of stops and she goes, well, he's at school right now. And uh, the yacht company goes, uh, well, what university does he attend? And she said, he's in eighth grade. And the guy on the other, la- other end of the phone, my mom relayed this story to me. I, like I said, it still amused me. The guy on the other line just laughed and he goes, well, he's got great taste in boats. Uh-huh. Have him call us in a few years. I still haven't called them, but you know, uh, you know, you, I, th- I like how you put that. Our creativity is so limited. We tend to think of a reward as something that can sink, rust, new car smell wears off. Uh, we get older. That have any of us, any of you guys listening right now, have you ever made a purchase that even five, ten years later, you're like, this is the greatest thing ever. It's lived up to everything I hoped it would. No. Never. Never does. Never, never, never does. It just is the way things are. It's God's sense of humor, which ought to tell us something. Those things just pale by comparison. All right, one last passage of Scripture. Second Timothy. This is uh, chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. Now, Paul writes this to his young protege, Timothy. He's mentored Timothy. He's modeled the way for Timothy. He's instructed Timothy. He's written two letters to Timothy. This is the second letter. And this is chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. He says, he's talking about himself. This is his last letter. Paul, after this, is executed. But this is what Paul says about himself. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. Just picture this bruised, beaten, scarred up fellow sitting in a Roman prison, and he's quite contented. He's like, I am on the cusp of meeting my Savior face to face. This is like, he's, he's not afraid to die in here. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. The righteous judge will award me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And I love that Paul uh, Paul hoped for a brighter future. And at the risk of being redundant here, because we've kind of tapped into this, uh, uh, you know, as we've had this conversation, how does, Michael, how does that inspire you? You read that from Paul. How, how does that just 
put a little wind in the sails. Well, I think it really inspires me to think about doing the work now um, that when you're finished, you can be satisfied. And I think about um, sometimes I would much rather, and on the day I mow my yard happens to be Friday, I would much rather stay inside and drink a cup of coffee and watch a movie. But you know when that movie's over, I just it's over. Like there's, yeah. n- there's no sense of accomplishment. There's no sense of, of gratification other than maybe I just saw a good story yeah. where if I get up and mow my yard, and this is really kind of a, a insignificant example, but I think what we can apply it to larger things in our lives is that when I finish mowing the yard, I look and I've accomplished something and I have a feeling of satisfaction. Yeah. And I think that as we do that over a long period of time in our own lives, working towards the same thing that when we get to the end, we can look back and, it, you know, sometimes you may not feel like it's fully complete, but you can actually look back and see the progress that you've made and be happy about it. And so I think the challenge is, is what, what is God calling you into? What are, what are you doing on a regular basis that is going to have a longstanding um, impact on God's kingdom? When you get to the end of your life, you can have satisfaction. And I look at people like uh, Elon Musk, who could have retired off of his um, money that he made from PayPal and lived a very, very, very good life. Um, and sometimes I think he's crazy. Might be, but I think he is crazy. <laughs> but he's crazy genius. So, but but he he's gone in and he's invested and risked a lot of stuff, and and he's working on leave, leaving a legacy. And yeah. his legacy is um, the things that he's doing in different um, aerospace and technology firms and automotive industry. And you know that that'll last for a while. But how much longer does God's kingdom last than yeah. those kinds of things? And so if we're invested in those, if we're doing the hard work instead of just resting on our own laurels, then we can really, really be satisfied with the accomplishments that have been made. You can look and see that grass just perfectly mowed, great straight lines. It's all been swept up. And you have that feeling of satisfaction that you've accomplished something great. And just to say this too, we don't do it without Christ. And Christ is with us that whole way. And so I don't want you to to feel like this is all on your shoulders, is that we're we're a partner, we're we're working towards this in, in our own life. And so I guess the challenge is be invested and do that hard work, not just for the satisfaction of seeing the grass mode, but um, when you get to the end, is that it's a long list of things. You know, in the Roman era, there was this thing called Stoicism, and it's still around. There's a lot of Stoics. They don't use that term, or or I should say, we use the term without understanding exactly that it was a, a philosophical religious point of view that guided people, including Roman emperors. And this idea of Stoicism that you... Um, you know, we have phrases in our culture, uh, fake it till you make it, or get back on the horse. Uh, these are all stoic values. Now, a Christian has a different set of values. And to your point, it's Christ in you, hope of glory. That's what Paul says in Colossians, that it's not out of this stoical, well, life's hard, or the stoical, well, not everything works out, but eventually you know, it will. Embrace the suck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those are all things that might get you through a battle, uh-huh. but they won't get you through the like ongoing of life. But Christ can, he will. And so I love these passages of scripture because they're great reminders. And, and life's a, 
a series of trade-offs. And a lot of people make really poor trades. They make short-term investments and they think, this will get me what I want. You think of the person that's constantly trading in the car until they have a, a nasty negative balance on their car loan and they're, they're stuck in an ugly financial situation with a car they begin to resent. It was the car of their dreams and now they hate the thing because it costs too much to maintain or whatever. That's a trade-off. And people do these trade-offs all the time. They trade in one partner for another partner. And the new qualities of the new partner have some advantages, but they also have some disadvantages. And they go, why did I make that trade? They trade in uh, time spent you know, at work instead of time spent with the kids and time spent with the family. Life is a series of trade-offs. And what uh, these four passages of Scripture remind us of is anything we trade to live a life dedicated to Christ, anything is worth sacrificing for for that life dedicated to Christ because there's very real reward now and very real reward later. So I find that inspiring. I hope that finds you, I hope that inspires you as you're listening. Something uh, for those of you who are listening right now, something to consider doing. Uh, maybe maybe as, as soon as you get done listening to this, maybe a little later today, maybe it's a journal or maybe it's just a sort of reflection in your mind of what is it that I'm looking for? What is the reward I want? Is it temporary? Will the new car smell wear off? Or have I, have, I, have I set my sights on the reward that never fades, that moth does not nibble away at, that doesn't rust, that doesn't get stolen? Am I looking to that greater reward? If you're looking to the greater reward, you're following that second Adam. So, Michael, thanks for being a part of this today. I mean, it's so good to be here and talk about these things. It's a great reminder for us just to, to have a longer-term perspective, but not just to live in that, but also to realize that, that we can find joy in it now. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, thanks for listening in and dedicating a little bit of your time. Hopefully you have found this helpful. Feel free, feel free to share it with your friends. I'm Pastor Bill Search, and it's been awesome to be with you today. God bless.